I'm Brenna, a certified sex expert and sex coach who is passionate about human sexuality, female empowerment, and helping people develop the sex life of their dreams. I'm Brian, certified relationship coach, eager to share my unique relationship experiences along with a rich history of sexuality to coach you through your personal journey. And you're listening to Sex on Your Terms. We all know what they say about assumptions, right? Everyone assumes that assumptions are a bad thing. Today, we're going to talk about how they absolutely can be, especially in the lifestyle space. But also, are there scenarios where it makes sense to make assumptions? We'll get to that very shortly. But first, we have a sex in the news that we wanted to discuss today. I have, unfortunately, slightly mixed feelings. And I'm kind of, I'm disappointed with myself for having mixed feelings. But I'm going to be very honest about it. So let let me paint this picture for you. Demi Lovato recently came out, as in very recently, basically yesterday, as both non-binary and pansexual. So for those who are unfamiliar with the terminology, non-binary means that she does not identify as male or female, and she has switched her pronouns to they, them. And pansexual refers to someone who is attracted to multiple different genders. So they can be attracted to men, women, non-binary people, etc. So obviously, we are LGBTQ friendly here. We support anyone coming out as their true selves and embracing who they really are from a sexuality perspective, from a gender identity perspective. That's all fantastic. I do kind of wish there was a a high profile celebrity who's a little more sane coming out because you know for those who aren't familiar with Demi Lovato she's she's a bit of a nut job I think that's fair to say well yeah it's like you you want this to be a thing I mean you want people to identify as whatever they feel like they need to identify as problem is when folks like this young lady do that she doesn't have a lot of credibility and that's the problem Yeah. And I mean, it's not to say that just because somebody is, you know, (laughs) certifiable doesn't mean that they shouldn't be able to come out as their true selves. I guess it's just an optics thing, right? I mean, we as LGBTQ people struggle with people not respecting us, not taking us seriously already, which is so unfortunate. And then when somebody like Demi Lovato comes out as both non-binary and pansexual, there are a lot of people who use this as like, see, we told you that the people who are doing these types of things are out there or out of their minds or whatever. I mean, she has lost a lot of credibility. I think back to she was on Joe Rogan's podcast recently talking about being California sober. Yeah, I still don't know what that means. (laughs) It's like you're either sober or you're not sober. There's no California. There's no kind of sober. Well, it's it's like, you know, you, you can't be a little pregnant. Yeah. Basically, what she's saying by saying that she's California sober is she has a drink or two and she smokes marijuana on occasion. Therefore, she's almost sober and they call it California sober. It's those types of things that make people shake their heads at her and go, you don't have good judgment. And because of that, it I have mixed feelings about this whole well, thing. Well, it's also a situation where you've got a celebrity that people obviously, there's a number of people obviously that look up to her and they think, okay, so she's quote unquote California sober, for example. And some of these folks maybe have a real issue and they think, well, if she's doing it, I guess it's okay. And then they they get to label it something that it really isn't and they do themselves more harm than good because this celebrity said it's okay. I guess that's the biggest problem for me. I don't, I could never understand why people idolize folks, you know, just because they are somewhat popular or whatever. I I, I mean, people do obviously, but 
th- that's the biggest issue for me. And again, like you said, she she's not exactly the most credible person that could be coming out with this. And I, I just wish it was someone who people looked up to and, and uh, for a good reason and was really just a solid overall human being. And we can go, yeah, look, see, we're not, you know, there's nothing wrong with us. Yeah, I think that's also part of the problem, though, is there are a lot of really solid, respectable celebrities who come out as something other than straight heteronormative yeah, people, but they don't get the same level of coverage as a Demi right. Lovato. And it's not because they're not as famous. There have been incredibly famous people who have come out. It's more so that Demi Lovato is kind of this spectacle, this public right. spectacle, and people are always watching what she's doing. And this is yet another example of that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I applaud her living her truth. I wish that, you know, it painted us as a as a community in a little bit better light, but it is what it is. Well, maybe this is what it's going to take for to, you know, get it all together. I don't know. I, I what I can, what I will say is I guess a large part of why she's getting this kind of media coverage is unfortunately because folks are just now waiting for the train wreck, right? That's the problem. Yeah. Like, they're just waiting, like, this is the, what's the next shoe to drop kind of thing, and they're not taking it seriously. I'm sure it wasn't covered as being entirely serious, and that that's the problem. Yeah, it's also got to feel kind of horrible for her, too, though, if you think about it from an empathetic standpoint. For sure. I think she's so confused. I, th- I think there's a lot of confusion going on in her world, and, un- and again, unfortunately, I don't know if there's a lot of people around her who are entirely supportive. It's, uh, it's that celebrity thing. Oh, well, she just gets to do whatever she wants, and people just allow her to kind of go off the rails, and no one tries to help her genuinely try to help her yeah but maybe this is 100% her truth this is 100% who she is and she's finally embracing it and yet she's being made fun of and being taunted in a lot of ways very publicly for it because of decisions she's made in the past and I mean I would feel really bad in her situation i can't imagine what she's going through right now yeah and you know in a lot of ways right now what we're talking about is feeding into it i still think it's a conversation worth having and i think it's important but you know maybe a little more empathy needs to be had as well well for sure and time will tell right we gotta gotta let it simmer a little bit let's see what happens maybe it's a lot to do about nothing or it turns out that she becomes a phenomenal advocate for this you know the the space Uh, let's hope that's the case i would love for that to be the case if she really turned her life around and prove that she was on the right track and then goes on to do big, amazing things for the LGBTQ community, we all win. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hope that happens. Let's go with that. Yeah, (laughs) let's keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right, so on to today's topic, which is assumptions. We wanted to talk about this for a lot of different reasons. First of all, let me say this about assumptions. I think it's often one of those things that people talk about being this very bad thing, right? It's very similar to the way that people talk about labels. Everyone's always like, I hate labels. I don't want labels to be a part of my life. I don't want to put myself in a box because of labels. I wish we didn't have labels. Okay, that's all fine and well, but labels are a reality of our world. They are how we make sense of the world around us, of the people around us, especially in the lifestyle space. I'm not saying that a label should completely define who a person is, but I don't think that they're as dangerous as people often make them out to be. And I put assumptions kind of in that same box. I will agree with you on some level, for sure. Uh, Also, let me start by saying this as it pertains to the lifestyle and assumptions and labels and all those things, I think a lot of people, particularly those who are not necessarily lifestyle fluent, and you would think so by a lot of what you see online and, you know, social media is, you know, is a big lie anyway, but 
a lot of folks would think that this space is, you know, everybody getting together on the weekends and holding hands and singing Kumbaya and it's just really inclusive. It is not. It is not inclusive. It is very judgmental. Everyone labels everybody. And it just is what it is. And people assume they make gigantic assumptions in the lifestyle and outside of it based on what they think the lifestyle is. Sure, but I, I don't necessarily think that that's always a bad Not thing. always. The labels are important in a lot of respects, and so are assumptions. For me, the only time an assumption really becomes important, it, it, as it pertains to the lifestyle really for me, is when it's a question of safety and security. You have to make assumptions for those reasons. It, primarily, that's that's where I come from with that. Okay, well, fair enough. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of some assumptions and I think also some ones that we have personally experienced, how they've impacted us, etc. Yeah, we've experienced a lot of them. <laughs> so I think we should start by talking about assumptions of different types of play. Okay. Like we don't need to go into all of them. I think a lot of our listeners are lifestyle people or have listened to other shows or whatever about the stereotypes of different types of play. But I think we should talk a little bit about how it impact like real world how it impacts us for example we are a hot wife couple i think there are a lot of assumptions made about that so let's talk about that first there's there are more assumptions i think made about the hot wifing and cuckolding space within the sexuality sphere than probably just about anything else at least that's what i've experienced we've experienced i think yeah yeah i think people assume that well, instantly, right? We've heard this. I don't even. I don't even know how many times I've I've heard this from people, both digitally and in person. Well, we don't do the hot wifing thing, or my partner isn't into that because it appears as though that he's weak, though the male portion of the of the couple, you know, and he doesn't want to be made out as weak. He doesn't want to be thought of as a cuckold. It's like, man, you just you're not getting it. You know, the assumption that a human being like myself is weaker than someone else simply because I enjoy my partner being satiated by other men is about as ridiculous a thing as I've ever heard. Because the truth is, in order for someone like me to enjoy that and really want that to happen for their partner and honestly revel in it, it takes an, a tremendous amount of strength. I mean, just think for a second how strong, first of all, the relationship has to be between the two people who are, who are in this space the level of communication and trust that go into that. And then think to yourself, well, it must take a lot for someone to be not just okay with it, but celebrate it and cheer it on. Yeah. You know, I think for me, that's the biggest thing. I completely agree. I think what was really interesting, I've heard a lot of assumptions about the hot wife lifestyle because we are a hot wife couple. We present very publicly as such. I was reading a Reddit thread the other day that I found so fascinating because it was talking about the hot wife lifestyle and people's experiences with said hot wife couples in the lifestyle and the assumptions that they make based on it. And one of the most fascinating ones to me was someone had written in there that hot wife couples are far more likely to have this crazy disparity in levels of attractiveness, right? Like typically the woman is so much more attractive than the man. And that's kind of the reason that they are a hot wife couple because the woman has far more opportunities than the guy. And it doesn't make sense for them to go out and meet couples as often because they're not going to have as much luck due to the fact that the man is less attractive. I found that so fascinating because we could correspond with so many hot wife couples 
couples, hundreds of them. And that is not at all the view that I get. Well, to be fair, it is the case in our relationship. It However, is absolutely not. If you guys haven't seen Brian, he's a total babe. He just is incredibly overly humble. No, my point is, and yes, you're right. We interact with predominantly hot wife couples on a daily basis. However, I think a lot of people would look at that and think of situations like that and think, oh, you know, the, the guy just acquiesces because, you know, she's way too hot for him kind of thing. And this is the only way that they're going to stay together. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. It couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, it's just not reality. And I think that that's the case with a lot of assumptions that are made about play styles and the lifestyle, period. I think that even we have made certain assumptions about couples who play, for example, couple for couple. It's that idea of like, if you're only ever in the same room with each other and you're not willing to branch out, the words have come out of our mouth. Like, well, they're just not willing to step out of their comfort zones. No, I, listen, I'm 100% guilty of it. I really have a difficult time with that type of play, as you know. There are situations, however, where it's great for us. We have some amazing friends with whom we play exclusively together with them. But that's a rare find. For us, for me, it is. It's a rare find. And However, when it comes to folks that we meet um, kind of not so much randomly, but you know, it's a digital thing or we make a connection and you know, folks we haven't played with, when the conversation comes up about types of play, like, oh, we only play together, we never play apart, I refer to it as training wheels. I really feel like there's a lot that you're missing. Now, I cannot put myself in their position, in their situation. I don't know, you know their people's lives entirely. But for me, without that separation, I feel like you're leaving so much on the table. But you are doing exactly what people do towards hot wife couples. Yeah, they absolutely. don't understand it. It's not their type of play. It's not what turns them on. And therefore, they have a predisposition to look down their noses at it and to make negative assumptions. Well, yeah, no and doubt. And very much the same with us being a separate room couple predominantly, we are not uber excited at the idea of that four-way play all on the same bed jumbled together. It's not sexy to us. No. But just because it's not our thing and just because it doesn't turn us on doesn't mean that people that do it are somehow less than or you know are not stepping out of their comfort zones we've said it's that's that's the biggest assumption we make people are not stepping out of their comfort zones they're not willing to try something new they're not willing to do something different and it's like maybe that's not the case we don't know people's history maybe they have and it just didn't turn them on as much maybe there's something way more serious that they experience when they're playing together that they're afraid of losing out on and it's just this incredibly special thing to them i mean that's my point is that just because it's not our type of play doesn't mean that we can make assumptions and that is true for any type of play in the lifestyle well yeah but it goes back to what i said originally we all do it it's part of this it's just part of who we are it's part of our dna i for me i think i look at that and i think well you know maybe they just really genuinely enjoy the idea of seeing each other with other people but then i think back to some of the the play sessions we've had with other couples the truth of the matter is you can't see a damn thing we've only ever played with one couple where it was literally lights on cell phones out there's pictures and video being taken <laughs> you know at, the, at that time otherwise you can't see anything yeah so i i tend to i just don't i don't always buy it i i just don't and that's my assumption and for that reason it's difficult for me to wrap my head around that style of play, which is why we very rarely ever engage in it. Yeah. 
And it's okay for you to make assumptions as long as you don't hold steadfastly to them and assume that everyone falls into that same category. For sure. You've got, there's a variance in everything, but it is my initial, it's my knee jerk in, instantly. That That's exactly what I go to the minute I hear same room, same bed. We never play a part. I'm like, okay, I tune out. Yeah, I, I just it just turns me off completely. Another one that I want to talk about in terms of assumptions in the lifestyle is with regards to looks or attractiveness level. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot to cover here. I mean, first of all, I think that you personally, you hold a lot of assumptions about the ways that people see you in the lifestyle. For example, if you are a person who's not, if you're a woman who's not a perfect size two, it's easy to hold this assumption that it's going to be more difficult for you to find people who are interested in you in the lifestyle. You're going to struggle more with finding your tribe of people because the lifestyle is full of beautiful people. And it is. I mean, there are a lot of incredibly attractive people in this lifestyle. There are also people in this lifestyle who wouldn't be deemed perfect tens, but they have an amazing time. They find fantastic friends. They have a whole lot of people who would love to have sex with them. I think, I I hope I fall into that category. I'm cute. I'm not perfect 10. I'm no model, but I have people that want to have sex with me and that's freaking cool. So there's a lot of assumptions that are made from a personal level towards the people around you that you're going to be interacting with. And, and a lot of it is based on how you look or how you perceive yourself to look. Oh, hundred percent. And that's, I think, one of the biggest misconceptions or the biggest assumptions is that, as you mentioned, everyone in the lifestyle is just, you know, this uber beautiful, you know, it's just a beautiful group of people kind of thing. And in many respects, it is. Uh, but that doesn't mean just from a physical perspective. There are some amazing folks that we have met and interact with that are incredible. And looks don't even play into it. Like, I don't even really consider their appearance. Yeah, you know? I, in fact, there are a lot of events popping up right now that are specifically geared towards what they deem to be very attractive couples. That's yeah. how they're marketing this is like, we're only allowing in uber attractive people. And I think about events like that, it, even if I was uber attractive, if I was a perfect 10, if I was a Victoria's Secret supermodel, I wouldn't go to those events because I like the variety. I like that everyone can mingle together and you can kind of break off and find your people and you can rely more on your personality than the way you look. So I, I think that that assumption, while it goes without saying that it shouldn't be in place, it, it always is going to creep into the back of your mind. It's one of those things you kind of have to break away from, especially as a woman, but men too. Yeah, look, I, you know, we talk about it all the time. The physical is literally like... One of the last items on our list to tick off when it comes to engaging with people, because it's about a connection and you know and and chemistry with it is with me for sure. I have been attracted to a lot of people and initially, and then it's like, eh, maybe not so yeah, much. Yeah, they open their mouths and you're like, yeah. no, thank yeah, you. Yeah, you start talking and it's like, <laughs> wow, you you were a ten, you're like a two, you know, <laughs> and and conversely. I have interacted with folks who on the surface maybe weren't my particular type. We talk about this all the time. It happens to me quite often. Someone maybe in normative life, I wouldn't look at and think, oh, that's a super attractive person. And then you get to talking to them and it's like, wow, they're, they really are attractive. Happens to me all the time. I never consider the physical. I, I really, I, I don't because it's, for me, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, you say that, but this is the next thing I want to talk about. There's actually two two more topics I want to talk about in terms of assumptions about attractiveness level in the lifestyle. One is that 
it's all about personality. So I think that that's also dangerous because you say it's all about the way that you interact with somebody. I disagree. I think that there is a baseline level of attractiveness that you need to find in people in order to then still want to be naked with them. I, I, I'm challenging you on that, Brian. Mm, yeah, no, uh, enough for me. And certainly not at, not at this stage in my life. I don't know that I could have answered that question the same way 20 years ago or you know 15 years ago maybe at this point uh, i can steadfastly say that that is not the case for me well i just made an assumption then because for me and this is based on my perception i have to have a baseline attractiveness level it doesn't mean that every guy i'm with needs to be a 10 because that's ridiculous i've had amazing fun with guys who normally on if i just saw them on the street i would think are a five or a six but they're badass they're so much fun but i still have a baseline level of attractiveness that i expect otherwise i'm not going to be a attracted i'm not going to be able to even want to get to know you is that shallow yes but it is the way it is see for me at this point this stage it's it's the exact opposite your appearance to me someone who's who appears on the surface uh, by all standards by the societal standards is attractive or high on that one to ten scale it doesn't matter because if i meet you and we start to talk or you have you know a mannerism that is less than attractive to me I tune out. I have to genuinely want to be around you. And I think a lot of that comes from our relationship. Like, I genuinely want to be around you all the time, and we are around each other all the time. And we say this a lot. Like, people ask us when it comes to a poly situation, what does that potentially look like for us? What does a potential partner look like for either of us? And for me, it's, well, I'm not going to do anything that's going to be, that's going to affect me in a way that would make me think that that relationship is less than the one I currently have. That our relationship is the bar for me. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> well, and, and therein lies the problem, right? I mean, that it just is. So I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that certainly is the bar. And when it comes to engaging with people that I'm going to be potentially physical with or intimate with, I got to like them. Yeah, I agree. And I think we should definitely go down that road, that rabbit hole on a different episode, because I think that you just brought up an amazing topic that would be very cool to cover. But I do want to change gears and get back to the assumptions in the lifestyle. And I think one of the ones that I want to talk about as well is the idea that if, if you are someone that's uber attractive, others may assume that you don't want them. So for example, if this perfect 10 couple walks into an event, there are a lot of times where people are going to specifically avoid them they're not going to come up to them because they're intimidated because they assume that that perfect 10 couple isn't going to be interested in them i actually had this fascinating conversation with someone on instagram recently who was talking about just that concept they've gone to the resort several times they are very attractive she sent me a picture they are ridiculously attractive people and she said most of the time people don't approach them the entire time they're there she said even if they're friendly they go up to the bar they talk to people they get in the hot tub they try to interact people kind of distance themselves and she's like it almost started to feel like we had a stink to us or something and then they talk to someone else in the lifestyle who was like no it's probably just because you guys are ridiculously attractive and people who are not as attractive as you assume that you're not going to be interested, which is not the case. They're very much like us. They care about personality. They want to connect with people. They want to feel that chemistry and that electricity. They could care less that somebody has a pooch or uh, a dad bod or whatever. 
Well, like a lot of things, right? There's assumptions. People assume that folks that look like you're referring to, and I don't know exactly what they look like, when you're at that level of attractiveness, people automatically assume that you're going to be standoffish, that you're going to be cold, that you're going to be disinterested, as you said, and you know they have this kind of uh, aura about them, and that's just not necessarily the case. I experience it not because of my level of attractiveness, but because I typically... And I hear that I've heard this my entire adult life. I don't necessarily look approachable. No. <laughs> and so people won't approach me. As it turns out, I'm a lot of fucking fun. You want to <laughs> hang out with me, I promise you. On an, uh, initially seeing me, I, I get that all the time. And people are like, oh, I had no idea you were just going to, you know, you're going to be like this. You look so unapproachable. Not the case. I, I get it all the time. So I'm sure that's why less people talk to me than certainly they do you because you're just uh, bubbly and you're all over the place. That's just not my personality. Yeah, I'm also five feet tall, so I'm not intimidating at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, you know what I mean? Like people look at me a lot of times, whether we're in an event or anywhere, it doesn't even matter if it's the grocery store. Like people don't talk to me. Yeah, they yeah. should because you're nice. Yeah. And warm and fuzzy. But yeah, I mean, that's absolutely another example of that. I think often about, I don't experience this, but just existing out in society, people who are super tatted, who have a lot of piercings, people yeah. who look quote unquote alternative are very much viewed the same way. Like they're going to be rough around the edges or they're if you do try to play with them in the lifestyle, they're going to throw you onto the bed and choke you even if you don't want it. It's like, no, they're usually incredibly normal people. I'm uber attracted to those people. Right. But but my point is that you you know shouldn't judge a book by its cover and i think that making those assumptions not only limits the people that you can connect with and that you have the opportunity to really get to know but further than that i think it kind of eliminates the entire point of the lifestyle in my opinion which is this concept of stepping out of your box and maybe going after something that you wouldn't normally go after well yeah and it's what a what a better place to do it than the lifestyle because the truth is if you're in a lifestyle event or a club or whatever, you're just around lifestyle people, it's expected that you're going to strike up a conversation. That's another assumption, right? doesn't mean that because we're talking to each other that we're going to be having sex later. Right. We're having a conversation. We're just meeting each other because we're in a place where like-minded people have gathered, and that's just what makes sense. It's a social environment like any other vanilla environment. If you're at a vanilla bar and you bump into somebody at the bar, you strike up a conversation. Oh, I really apologize. You know, and, and, and you start talking to them. It's no different in a lifestyle event. People think that, especially new people, I'm at this event. If I talk to this person, they're going to instantly think I want to have sex with them. That is not the case. Yes. You, not even close. You know, that's not a thing. We're just getting to know one another. That's it. I agree. That's a really big one in the lifestyle. It's one you don't often think about until you're in that environment. And then you're, then you're thinking about it constantly. I think about it. As a bisexual, pansexual man, particularly, because now, of course, the assumption is I want to have sex with every man in the fucking room. Yeah. Could not be further from the truth. No, you're actually very particular when it comes to your attraction to men. Uh, I've been a little, not surprised by it necessarily, but just fascinated by it because you do have fairly specific tastes. Well, yeah, absolutely. But not so much with women, not really, not as much, nowhere near. With men, I have a very specific type that I'm attracted to. Once again, provided that person has the right personality and we have some, you know, some chemistry and some connectivity. But yeah, there is definitely one particular type of guy that I'm more attracted to than any other. And I mean, it's okay. That's okay. You know, but that does not mean that if I'm talking to someone who looks like that, that that's absolutely what I'm attempting to do. <laughs> and, and, it, and conversely, if you are a guy who maybe isn't necessarily my type, but 
we get to strike up a conversation, well, that may be the case. We may, I may be attracted, more attracted, just like to anybody else. But to think that because there's a bisexual or pansexual man in the room specifically, that they just want to have sex with everyone, it, it couldn't be further. It's the most ridiculous thing. Yeah, I agree. I think another one in terms of going to events and clubs and being social out in the lifestyle space is the assumption that because you are talking to someone, because you're flirting with someone, because you're friendly with them, it automatically means you already have slept with them, right? Exactly. There's lots of rumors and weirdness that happens in those environments because of that assumption. Listen, I've said this a million times. I literally just said it when we started this. This is not an entirely inclusive lifestyle and the one thing you absolutely find the rumor mill is ongoing 24 7 i mean you talk about just a little sewing circle in and of itself it's constant so you're definitely going to deal with all of that you know you see a couple talking to another couple from across the room that maybe you know and it's like oh they they must have slept with them too it's like okay whatever yeah i mean here's something that might surprise people but you can be friends with people in the lifestyle and not have sex with them it happens a lot (laughs) yeah Uh, listen we have so many friends in the lifestyle so many We've slept with 1% of them. Yes. Maybe, maybe not even that. 1% of them. We genuinely enjoy their company. We like them. Why do we like them? Because they have similar interests and values that we do. Yeah, they're just nice people. But just because they're nice and we enjoy their company also doesn't mean we want to get naked with them. No. That is the case for some people in the lifestyle. I bet if you ask some lifestylers out there how many of their lifestyle friends they've had sex with, they would say all of them. And that's totally fine, too. But making that assumption that just because people are interacting or being social, even going on vacation with each other, it doesn't mean that they are getting naked with each other. No, and I never assume anybody wants to be naked with me. And we we have a lot of friends that we don't get naked with it's like well maybe they're not attracted to me too or attracted to me so it just is what it is you know it doesn't have to be that way but that's a gigantic assumption there is an assumption that i want to bring up okay because it absolutely wears me out it could be the one oh i don't know it's probably the one that irks me the most as it pertains to our us particularly okay the assumption that if you're in this lifestyle your relationship is bad Oh, yeah. Uh, How often do we hear that? Let me clear this up for you. If you have no communication in your relationship, if you have no trust, if you are not genuinely a couple in love with one another who is enamored with one another and wants only the best for each other, you are in the wrong place. Yes. You are in the wrong place. Certainly, it's not going to fix your relationship. That's another one. Oh, the lifestyle is going to fix our relationship. Please don't be crazy. <laughs> that, that's not going to happen. Okay? That, that's not, it's not the glue. I, I promise you. But the idea that people from the outside, vanilla folks, you know, the monogamous community, look at us and we get it all the time. Like, oh, there's got to be something wrong with your relationship. Just like with the hot wife situation. Oh, I guess he can't please his wife. Man, get the fuck out of here with that. I I can't even deal with that kind of ignorance. You know, that's the thing that drives me the most crazy, I think. Yeah, I think what drives me the most crazy is very similar to that assumption, but it actually happens from people in the lifestyle. It's this judgment or assumption that there is something wrong with you as a couple if you either play too much or too little in the lifestyle. Or separately. Or separately or whatever, but especially the too much one. That that gets a lot of attention. It's this idea of like, if you're a high mileage couple or you're going out every other weekend or something like that, 
that. You're not spending enough time together. You're not connected enough. You're focused too much on having sex with other people. And therefore, there must be something going on negatively in your own relationship. And once again, this is coming from other lifestylers towards lifestylers. Well, how about this? How about a lot of times when we go out to meet people, we're not fucking them. <laughs> we're going out for drinks or we're going out to dinner or we were going to a concert back when that was a thing or we're going to the beach. How, I cannot even think of how many couples we have actually been with socially that we have not slept with multiple times, like the same couples, multiple, multiple times. It's such a, again, inside this space is a lot of that backbiting bullshit and it just drives me insane. You know, the idea that, oh, you're just too focused on the lifestyle. No, we genuinely enjoy being around people that we like. And as it turns out, most of those folks, they're lifestyle folks. Right. That's it, it doesn't get any more complicated than that. You know, when we think about, hey, let's go out to dinner, we, let's invite so and so. We never think about inviting our vanilla friends and as much as we do our non-vanilla friends because they're more fucking fun. Right. It has nothing to do with wanting to have sex. It just has to do no. with socializing. It, when you and I go out with a couple, it rarely like if we go to dinner or drinks, it rarely results in play. Right. Almost never. Yeah, and I think along with that, however, is this concept of if you're having sex with people too often in the lifestyle, it's a bad thing. It kind of feels like slut-shaming. It's very similar to the way that people view especially women in general who are in the lifestyle, which is this concept of like, you are promiscuous and therefore that's a very negative thing. You shouldn't be that way. It means that there's something wrong with you. It means you have daddy issues or you have something horrible going on in your relationship. And yet those same assumptions are made by lifestylers towards other lifestylers as well. You're having sex way too often with other people. You must not enjoy sex with each other. So I, well, that's a dangerous one to me. I think it's one we really need to be careful of. And it ha it's been happening a lot you see it a lot lately on like social media and stuff yeah it's as you said it's a form of shaming slut shaming or lifestyle shaming right just because a couple is or isn't active or at least not as active as you think they should be or more active than you think they should be you don't have a right to make that decision you know again that's for me that's not an assumption that's just a judgment yeah you know it's it's unnecessary and it's unfortunate but it is a gigantic part of this space it's it's the least attractive thing about this space to me is is the judgment yeah that's I would the biggest agree. thing so another assumption that i wanted to talk about i kind of just touched on it but once again if we're going to talk about assumptions from the outside looking into the lifestyle especially towards women although it is not a woman specific issue is this concept of like if you are sex positive if you like talking about sex if you like engaging with multiple partners there must be something inherently wrong with you because that is not what is considered quote-unquote normal in society yeah yeah i mean that one's dangerous i i hope we're starting to move away from it i see so many sex positive accounts popping up in places and people talking about sex positivity in a way that's not even just related to the lifestyle but is this concept of find your own sexual liberation find what makes sense for you and i think inherently the lifestyle fits into that right because if you are somebody who wants to both be partnered and play around and have fun that falls into sexual liberation just as much as anything else just as much as introducing toys into your bedroom or being part of the lgbtq community openly or any of those types of things in my opinion they're all similar well we just had a conversation yesterday with our friend jeff who is the president and ceo of promescent and he mentioned something to us in our conversation prior to recording 
and even during the interview that I found absolutely not just fascinating, but really hard to believe. When you talk about where women have, you know, how far women have come, right? The governing bodies that determine what is or isn't permissible in the world of sex toys and lubes and all those kinds of things, there is not a single woman on the board. Yeah. Not a single woman. In fact, what he mentioned to us was that most of them are guys his age, 65 or so, 60, 65 and older. How are these people making determinations about a woman's sexuality? Well, it's very much the same way in general. I think that there are a lot of men out there, specifically straight men of a certain age, (laughs) that want to determine what is considered acceptable and unacceptable when it comes to the ways that other people express their sexuality. I think part of it is that it makes them feel threatened because what they have done for so many years, at least on a public scale, granted a lot of these people are sneaking around and doing stuff they shouldn't be. Yeah, the caveat is the public realm. Yes, the way that they present themselves publicly as sexual beings is what has been considered normal for so long and they like that they wanted to stay that way because they want to feel part of the majority yeah they don't want to feel as if you know their majority is being chipped away by people finally waking up and realizing what it is they want out of their sex lives i mean that's dangerous to them yeah well and again assuming that a woman is anything other than a healthy cogent positive person because she wants to have more sex? I mean, it's just bizarre to me. It's bizarre to you, but it's not bizarre to the majority of people who are like you out there. I get, well, they're not like me. Well, okay, straight presenting men. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I just, I found that so interesting when he said that. And and kudos to him for actually, you know, putting together his own team and, and inclusive of everyone, you know, the millennials, women, you know, LGBTQ. I mean, that's just a huge step forward. I just, I found it so interesting that that, that was a, that was the guideline, you know? Got to I be agree. Old dude to be part of this you know, governing body. Yeah, I could talk about that all day, but we're not going to go down that road. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I just think that in general, there are a lot of strange assumptions made about people who are sex positive and who want to present themselves as such, who aren't afraid to do so. I think the other problem with that, which is once again, a whole separate topic, but is the concept of people want to be sex positive, but they don't want to present themselves as such, right? They want to... Well, for the reasons you just outlined. They want to present themselves as these incredibly, quote unquote, normal, people who like normal things they're not talking to any of their vanilla friends about any of the things that they're doing behind closed doors and they are perpetuating the idea that you should be those things even if they are not even if behind closed doors they're total freaks they're breaking out the chains they're bringing the neighbor in for a threesome they're doing all of these crazy things and and while that's great and they should be able to do that the fact that it's so underground and hidden leads people to make assumptions about people who are out there more publicly people like us who talk about it on our podcast there must be something wrong with us even though literally everyone out there has some little sexual fetish or fantasy or or thing that they either are wanting to try or have tried that would be considered non-normative a hundred percent i mean when you consider the statistic that we've saw most recently the one that i saw most recently that 20 percent of the population is either in some form of ethically non-monogamous relationship or has been a part of it one in one form or another has you know tested the water so to speak that means that on this instantly the two out of the ten people that you know 
are in that space, which probably means there's more because a lot of them aren't talking about it. Yeah, I think it's even higher for like BDSM levels. I oh, think 100% it's it is. One in three, I think people who have, yeah. who have tried some level of BDSM play. Right. Once again, how many of our vanilla friends have ever come to us and told us, yeah, I really like to be tied up on the weekends? Well, uh, yeah, none. How about zero? <laughs> and, you're, and it's not, I don't think we're even close to being there yet, but the assumption that... You know, well, how about this for an assumption? We got, we just heard this the other day. We we were not necessarily the uh, the recipient of it, but we had we heard a conversation about someone saying, "Well, it's you know, it's such a small percentage, just one percent of the population, kind of thing." You're assuming it's one percent of the population that are involved in some level of ethical non-monogamy or open sexuality or sex positivity. You couldn't be more wrong. That's a terrible assumption. Well, that's actually the next topic I wanted to cover in terms of assumption, which is that you assume things without actually doing your research, which yeah. happens a lot. I mean, that's a perfect example in of it. In this space, all the time. If you did a quick Google search on how many people are actually involved in the lifestyle, you would know that you're wrong. But in addition to that, I mean, think about the number of times that somebody has made an assumption towards us and it is based on either misinformation or the fact that they just have zero information. All the time. Because they're not taking the time to really learn and research and talk to people and ask questions. I think this is especially pertinent with the single guys that we deal with. And I think that there's a level of laziness that's there. It's not of course, reserved for the single men, but we see it more often. That could also be because we interact with more of them than for we sure. do anyone it's a numbers else. Game. Yeah. But I think that that's the one that stands out in my mind. I think of, for example, the number of men I've had at this point, dozens of men assume that I have a cheating fetish. Yes. Right. I'm speaking with them. I'm telling them I'm a partnered person. I want to engage with other men. And they immediately go, yeah, I'd love to help you with that cheating fetish. And it's like, well, I don't think anything could be further from the truth, actually. Yeah. I don't find cheating erotic in any way, shape, or form. If you do, that's fine, as long as you're not actually cheating. That's kind of, uh, you know, makes you a bad person. But right. my point is, if you are a hot wife couple and you get off on the idea of the woman, quote unquote, cheating as this role play, that's totally fine. But making the assumption that every hot wife couple is that way, because you have these preconceived notions in your mind of what it means to be a non-monogamous couple, it's very damaging. And literally every single time that has happened, I have moved away. I've gone, no, thank you. You are obviously somebody who hasn't taken the time to pick up a book or listen to a podcast or whatever on this lifestyle. Well, just like we talked about earlier, how many people reach out to us and you know, as a hot wife couple and you know, clearly listed as a hot wife couple and say, oh, I'll totally cuck your man. Where does it say that in the... Please point that out to me because there's a typo. Right. That's not what it says. It doesn't say that at all. Yes. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Knock yourself out. Get cocked, man. Do your thing. But it doesn't say that. Right. So, you know, yeah, it, that's, again, an assumption because it's a lack of education, lack of kind of, you know, educating yourself into exactly what kind of space you're in. Well, it's assumptions also created by media. You know, I think that there are a lot of really bad representations of non-monogamy that exist out in the world. People see this one HBO special or this one documentary that's been existing out in the world for 15 years, and they zero in on that. Or worse yet, porn. They're using porn oh. as their gauge of what's normal and what's not normal. Yeah. And because of that, they're creating this picture in their brains. They're illustrating what it means to be X, Y, and Z, to be a hot wife couple, to be a swinger couple. And that's 
their go-to and that's the only frame of reference that they use to interact with people in that space. Yeah, well, folks, for future reference, when you're producing something like that, consider the source. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do better. <laughs> really, do your do your research. Really do research. In fact, one, this is the most funny one to me. I was talking to a guy on our kink website a while back and he said something along that cuckolding line and he said, well, I'm a bull, so you should assume that I would be interested in cuckolding. I said, well, bulls are also existent in the hot wife space. They're just different than in the cuckolding space. And I said, I'm, I'm curious, where did you get this information? And he pulled out a fictional movie from like 15 years ago. I'm of like, course. that's what you're using to understand how to interact with a hot wife? Yeah, just to be clear, I am a guy who enjoys my partner in this hot wife space. I've also been the quote unquote bull for a couple. So they're synonymous. They certainly can be. You know, they're not exclusive. Right. So let's, you know, again, assumptions. Please don't assume that you're going to step into a situation that you have zero familiarity with because the, the guys that do that particularly, you know, instinctively don't know what they're talking about. They have no no experience. Yeah. Because they wouldn't do it. I think that there's so many assumptions that we make of the world around us. And especially in the lifestyle space, I think that there is space for some assumptions, like you mentioned, the, the safety aspect of it. Yeah, I think so. I think that no matter what, you're going to make assumptions. It's just about having a strong enough mind to also challenge your own assumptions before other people challenge them for you. Well, uh, the one who you and I, it stares us in the face every day that we didn't even talk about, that we get all the time. What's that? The age gap. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could go on for hours about the age gap. I cannot tell you how many assumptions people have made because we are 20 years apart and we clearly look 20 years apart. Well, I get I, it. are you talking about just out in the world, like people assuming I'm a gold digger or something? Both. Both in vanilla life and in the lifestyle. Absolutely. Well, I think we should touch on the lifestyle ones because I think that's important. Yeah. Once again, and this comes from within the lifestyle, people have assumed that because we are 20 years apart and, you know, I'm an old dude. I get it. I'm 51. You're 31. We clearly do not look the same age. They assume that because we're in the lifestyle, as, as are they, that we're doing it because you don't get enough attention from me or that for whatever reason I'm weaker or whatever kind of bullshit they come up with. We've heard it a lot. Yes, that and there are also a lot of assumptions made regarding playing with us. For example, if a couple in their 50s looks at my agency's 31, they're assuming that I am immature or that I'm not going to have good conversation. I'm not going to be able to to keep up with kind of the witty banter or whatever before play happens. I'm not going to be as much fun to be around for them. The other one I hate, it drives me absolutely insane, is when people have children that are my age yes. and they make all sorts of weird assumptions in their brain about that it's like well you could be my son's friend or my son's girlfriend or something it's like first of all i don't even know why your mind goes there yeah I <laughs> but second of all i am not that person just because i'm 31 years old i am my own person i think that i'm very mature for my age and i feel like i can connect with people of pretty much any age well we get the, we get the reverse too if you're interacting with couples that typically are younger around your age like oh we don't play with anybody over 40 okay whatever i guess yeah but you know? why yeah i don't know it, it's it's just a hang up. It's just a mental you know, block, I'm or sure. Or is it an, ass yeah, an assumption that you're not going to be able to keep up, that you're not going to be able to provide as much pleasure as somebody who's 10 years younger than you? Well, it goes back to that assumption before of, oh, they must be a couple that's not congruently attractive. She's super cute, but you know, if he's 51, she, you know, she must be with him for another reason. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever. That's I don't have any money. Nobody thinks so. that. <laughs> 
you know. Damn, if I'm a gold digger, I'm the worst yeah, gold digger. Yeah, because my money is your money. So, you know, you're not doing great at this. You need to up your game a little bit. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, assumptions are... They're dangerous. Their assumptions can be dangerous. I do think there's a place for them, as I mentioned. I think from a security perspective, from a safety perspective, I do make assumptions based on a, a number of different things. But I do that for that reason. There, I have to be cognizant of your safety 100%. Ours, both of ours, but yours particularly. And that, and that kind of puts me in that space. Well, I, my point that I was trying to make earlier is that assumptions are a normal part of existing in the world. You're never going to not make assumptions. Of course. You're never going to be able to train your brain to completely turn off assumptions. That's it's, not a realistic expectation it's of yourself. It's instinct. What it is is being mindful and it's being thoughtful enough to think of your assumptions and before something comes out of your mouth to truly question it and decide if it makes sense. I also think that we have a greater responsibility, especially as lifestylers, to understand the people around us on a deeper level, to do that research, to listen to podcasts, to talk to people and try to understand their story. If you're not doing that, I feel like you're missing out on a huge piece of what the lifestyle means, which is opening up your mind and broadening your horizons yeah unfortunately this this lifestyle is not full of folks who have that thought process there's a lot of selfishness in this space now there are a lot of amazing people who genuinely do exactly what you're discussing which is being thoughtful being open-minded being courteous and and open to accepting a lot of different types of people and scenarios and you just can't be closed off. You shouldn't be closed off in this space. And I think if you are, you're really doing yourself a disservice, not just everybody else. And you're missing out on like the biggest portion of why we're in this space for sure, which is that connectivity, the the being around people who genuinely like being around you and you like being around them and you're like-minded and you just enjoy the energy and company that they provide. I think you miss out on a lot of that. But assumptions, yeah, they're, they're all over the space. Yeah, well, I think they have a, a way of perpetuating a toxicity as well. It's like you get one idea yeah. in the back of your mind about who someone is based on a fact that you know about them and you allow that to taint everything that goes on between you and that person or doesn't go on because you choose to remove yourself from it because of some uh, assumption that you have. Well, or quote unquote fact that you think you know about a person. That's a whole other thing, especially again, unfortunately, this lifestyle, there's a lot of those conversations where people, people make determinations and assumptions about other people based on someone else giving them their report of an interaction they had. Got to be more open-minded, folks. You know, not everybody likes the same flavor. Not not everyone's going to be for everyone else. And that's awesome. Shouldn't that be an awesome thing? Yeah. I, I think that that's something that's so beautiful about the lifestyle. And I think if we embraced it as such, I, I can't imagine how much more positive and friendly and warm this space would be. So, I mean, I guess that that's my message. My PSA for the day is like, go into interactions with a much more open mind. Yes know that those assumptions are going to be in the back of your mind, but challenge them. And honestly, think about it with some logic and some ability to see things for the gray area. Not everything is black and white, especially in a space like the lifestyle. Very little is black and white in the space, in this kind of space, with the exception, again, of the safety security kind of factor for me. There's a lot of gray areas. What you think is not always the reality. Sure. And I think what I will also leave our listeners with is if you have assumptions about the lifestyle that you want to challenge, if you have a partner who has thought certain things about the lifestyle, you've expressed to them interest in it, you want to, you know, potentially 
explore something within sexuality, even if it's not the lifestyle, then we would love to talk to you about that. We have coaching services. We are filling up, but we would love to book a couple of more of conversations. And we have free consultative calls that are available on our website, sexonyourterms.com. You can also email us directly at sexonyourterms at gmail.com if you'd like to discuss something with us, set up a call, talk about the show, leave us your comments, etc. We'd love to hear from you there. You can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at sexonyourterms. And if you are not already subscribed on whichever podcast platform you're currently listening on, we would love for you to do so. And until next time, we hope you enjoy Sex on Your Terms.